Cash the Brock here with uh, Nora Roberts next book in the Chesapeake Bay Saga, Rising Tides. And I'm going to give you a warning right now before I read the prologue and before I start the book. Uh, this one is more emotional than the last book. It's actually the most, this book and the last book of this series are the two most emotional books in the series. I do remember that because this book always always gets to me and uh, so it's called Rising Tides Prologue Ethan climbed out of his dreams and rolled out of bed it was still dark but he had actually started his day before night yielded to dawn it suited him the quiet the simple routine the hard work that would follow he'd never forgotten to be grateful that he'd been able to make this choice and have this life through the people responsible for giving him both the choice and the life were dead. For Ethan, the pretty house on the water still echoed with their voices. He would often find himself glancing up from his lone breakfast in the kitchen, expecting to see his mother shuffle in yawning, her red hair a wild tangle from sleep, her eyes half blind with it. Though she'd been gone nearly seven years, there was a comfort in the, that homey morning image. It was more painful to think of the man who had become his father, Raymond Flynn's death, it was still too fresh after a mere three months for there to be comfort. And the circumstances surrounding it were both ugly and unexplained. His death had come in a single car accident in broad daylight on a dry road on a March day that only hinted of spring. The car was traveling fast, with its driver unable or unwilling to control it on a curve. Tests had proven that there had been no physical reason for Ray to crash into that telephone pole. There was evidence of an emotional reason, and that lay heavy on Ethan's heart. Ethan thought of it as he readied himself for the day, given his hair still damp from the shower, a cursory swipe with his comb, which did nothing to tame the thick waves of sun-bleached brown. He shaved in the foggy mirror, his quiet blue eyes somber as he scraped lather and a night's worth of beard from a tanned, bony face that held secrets he rarely chose to share. There was... A scar that rode along the left of his jawline, courtesy of his older brother, and patiently stitched up by his mother, had been fortunate, Ethan thought, as he rubbed the thumb absently over the faded line, that their mother had been a doctor. One of three sons was usually in need of first aid. Ray and Stella had taken them in, three half-grown boys, all wild, all damaged, all strangers, had made them family. Then months before his death, Ray had taken in another. Seth the Lautner belonged to them now. Ethan never questioned it. Others did, he knew. There was talk buzzing through the little town of St. Christopher that Seth was not just another of Ray Quinn's strays, but his illegitimate son. Child conceived with another woman while his wife was still alive, a younger woman. Ethan could ignore the talk, but it was impossible to ignore the fact that ten-year-old Seth looked at you with Ray Quinn's eyes. There were shadows in those eyes that Ethan also recognized. The wounded recognized the wounded. He knew that Seth's life, before Ray had taken him in, had been a nightmare. He lived through one himself. The kid was safe now, Ethan thought as he pulled on baggy cotton pants and a faded work shirt. He was a Quinn now, even if the legalities hadn't been completely worked out. They had Philip to deal with that. Ethan figured his detailed mad brother would handle that end of things with the lawyer. And he knew that Cameron, the eldest of the Quinn brothers, had managed to form a tin, tinnitus bond with Seth. Fumbled his way to it, Ethan thought with a half smile. 
It's been like watching two angry tomcats spit and claw. Now that Cameron married a pretty social worker, things might just settle down some. He'd prefer to settle life. They had battles, yet the insurance company refused to honor race policy because there was suspicion of suicide. Ethan's stomach clutched, clutched, and he took a moment to will himself relax again. His father would have never killed himself. The mighty Quinn had always faced his problems and had taught his sons to do the same. There was a cloud over the family that refused to blow away. There were others, too. The sudden appearance of St. Christopher's obsessed mother and her accusation of sexual molestation made to the dean of the college where Ray had taught English literature. That hadn't held been too many lies to me shifts in her story, but there was no denying that his father had been shaken. There was no denying that shortly after Gloria DeLautner had left St. Chris again, Ray had gone away too, and he returned with the boy. Then there was the letter found in the car after Ray's accident and all of his sleep blackmail threat from the DeLautner woman. It was the fact that Ray had given her money, a great deal of money. Now she had disappeared again. Ethan wanted her to stay gone. He knew that talk wouldn't stop until all the answers were clear. Nothing he can do about it, he reminded himself. Stepped out into the hall, gave a quick knock on the door opposite his. Seth's groans were followed by a sleepy mutter, then an annoyed curse. Ethan kept going, heading downstairs. He had no doubt that Seth would bitch again about getting up so early, but with Cam and Anna in Italy on their honeymoon, and Philip in Baltimore until the weekend, it was Ethan's job to get the boy up and headed over to a friend's house to stay until it was time to leave for school. Crabbing season was in full swing, and a, wet, a waterman's day he started before the sun. So until Cam and Anna returned, so did that. So did Seth. The house was silent and dark, but he moved through it easily. He had a house of his own now, but part of the deal and gaining guardianship of Seth had been for the three brothers to live under the same roof and share the responsibilities. Ethan didn't mind responsibilities, but he missed his little house, his privacy and ease of what had been his life. Flickered on the lights in the kitchen and had been Seth's turn to clean it up, clean it up after dinner the evening before. And Ethan noted that he'd done a half-assed job, ignoring the clutter and the sticky surfaces on the table. He moved discreetly to the stove. Simon, his dog, stretched lazily out of his curl. His tail thumped on the floor. Ethan set the coffee to brew, greeting the retriever with an absent scratch on the head. The dream was coming back to him now, the one he'd been caught in just before waking. He and his father out on the workboat checking crab pots, just the two of them. The sun had been blinding bright and hot, the water mirror clear and still. It had been so vivid, he thought now. Even the smells of water and fish and sweat, his father's voice, so well remembered, had carried over the sounds of engine and gold. Excuse me, I had to sneeze. I need you to look after Seth, the three of you. You didn't have to die to test that out. There was resentment in Ethan's tone and underlining anger he hadn't allowed himself to admit while well, we It wasn't what I had in mind either, Ray said lightly, curling crabs from the pot under the float that Ethan had gaffed thick orange fisherman's gloves glowing in the sun. You can trust me on that. You got some good steamers here and plenty of sooks. Ethan glanced at the wire pot full of crabs, automatically noting size and number, but it wasn't catch that mattered not here. Not now. You want me to trust you, but you don't explain. Ray glanced back, tipping up the bright red cap he wore over his dramatic silver mane. The wind tugged at his hair, teased the color culture of John's step stepmire, gracing his loose t-shirt into 
rippling over his broad chest. The American writer held a sign claiming he would work for food, but he didn't look too happy about it. In contrast, Ray Quinn glowered with health and energy. Rudy cheeks were deep creases only seemed to celebrate a full and content mood of a vigorous man in his 60s, which years yet to live. You gotta find your own way, your own answers. Ray smiled at Ethan out of brilliantly blue eyes, and even could see their creases deepening around them. It means more that way. I'm proud of you. Ethan felt his throat burn, his heart squeeze. Routinely, he rebated the pot and watched the orange floats bubble. For what? For paying. Just paying, Ethan. I should have come around more. I should have left you alone so much. That's a crock. Now Ray's voice was more irritated and impatient. I wasn't some old invalid. It's gonna piss me off if you think that way. Blame yourself for not looking after me, for Christ's sake. Same way you wanted to blame Cam for going off to live in Europe, and even Philip for going off to Baltimore. Healthy birds leave the nest. Your mother and I raised healthy birds. Before he can speak, Ray raised a hand. It was such a typical gesture. The professor would make it a point of refusing interruption. Reason had to smile. You missed them. That's why you wanted to be mad at them. They left your state, and you missed having them around. Well, you've got them back now, don't you? Looks that way. And you've got yourself a pretty sister-in-law, that beginnings of a boat-building business, and this. Great gesture to take in the water. The bobbin floats to a glossy wet in glass from the verge where a long arrow should look like a marble pillar. And inside you, you got something that needs. Patience. Maybe too much of it in some areas. What's that supposed to mean? Reside gushing. There's something you don't have, Ethan, that you need. You've been waiting around and making excuses to yourself and doing not a damn thing to get it. You don't make a move soon, you're going to lose it again. What? Ethan shrugs and maneuvered the book to the next floor. I've got everything I need and I want more. And what I want. Don't ask yourself what. Ask yourself who. Ray clucked his tongue and gave his son a quick shoulder shake. Wake up, Ethan. And he had awakened. The odd sensation of that big, familiar hand on his shoulder. But he thought as he brooded over his first cup of coffee. He still didn't have the answers. End of the prologue.